to Red Bill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. Thanks for joining us on another podcast. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. Thank you for joining us on this journey. And please, keep the feedback coming. We love hearing from you. Follow our podcast online at redpiltora.podbean.com. Yes, we really want to connect with you. You can also find Red Pill Torah on Facebook and on Twitter. By the way, we spell Red Pill with no space between red and pill. Or you can send emails to redpilltorah at gmail.com. Technology really gives us a lot of ways to stay connected with people. Speaking of being connected, we want to talk about what it means to be grafted in, as written about in Romans 11. So, Miss, please, tell us what grafting in is all about. Well, Dan, grafting is a horticultural technique whereby tissue of plants are joined so to continue their growth together. For example, let's say you have an apple tree that's producing Granny Smith apples, and your neighbor's tree is producing Pink Lady apples. You'd really like to grow your own Pink Lady apples, so you ask your neighbor to allow you to take a small branch from their tree. To graft the branch into your tree, you break off a branch from your tree, prepare the branch that you have, and attach it securely to the exposed section of your tree. After a few months, the new branch will become knitted permanently to your tree. Eventually, it'll start producing pink lady apples while the branches around it continue to produce Granny Smith apples. And that sounds pretty cool. So um, how can that new branch live after being taken from its original tree? Just below the tree's bark, there is a layer called the cambium layer. That's the layer that the new branch comes in contact with in the grafting process. The cambium is essentially the conduit that transports the nutrients for the tree and for the grafted branch. So the grafted branch gets nourishment from the tree, but it continues to produce pink lady apples. It doesn't become a Granny Smith branch by being grafted into a Granny Smith apple tree? Correct. It doesn't grow Granny Smith apples, just pink lady. But it does get its nourishment from that tree. And it's now a part, a thriving part of that tree. Romans 11 describes the Gentile believers as branches from a, quote, wild olive tree. In this analogy, Israel is God's olive tree. God breaks some branches off of his olive tree and grafts in the wild olive branches, the Gentile believers. The reason God broke off some of the natural branches was because he was displeased with their unbelief. So now, the Gentile branches join the remaining natural branches as part of the tree of Israel. And as part of that tree, the Gentiles have a part in the same covenant with the same benefits and requirements, the requirements to remain in faith. Our works should show that we are remaining in faith, as James chapter 2 puts it. Faith without works is dead. Amen, Mama. No works, no faith. I see another aspect of this analogy. The wild olive branches replaced broken off natural branches, but they did not replace the whole tree. By that, 
I mean that the Gentile believers are neither a replacement for Israel nor a whole tree to themselves. Mm -hmm. Gentile believers are a part of a thriving, pre-existing tree that belongs to God. The tree is called Israel. In addition, Romans 11 hints at the eventual grafting in of the natural branches that were broken off. God's tree will be full of diverse branches and diverse types of the same wonderful fruit. The Gentiles are grafted in, into something. Into an existing people with a history, culture, covenants, and commonwealth. Ephesians 2, 11 through 9, paraphrased, says, Before you were natural Gentiles, outside of Israel, with no promises, no hope, and without God in the world, you were kept far away. But now by the blood of Messiah, you have been brought into the family, making the Jew and Gentile one in him, not a second-class citizen, but fellow citizens. And we all have access by one spirit to the Father. You know, it's really frightening to think about being in this world, but without any connection to God and without hope. Mm. If we didn't know the Torah, we might think that God had no plans for Gentiles until Jesus came. Gratefully, we know enough about the Torah to see God's plan for the Gentiles in the books of Genesis and Exodus. You're right, Dad. In Genesis 12, verse 3, God told Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. Through you, I will bless all the nations of the earth. Notice that God's blessing is on a multitude of people, those who bless you, and his curse is on the singular or individual persons who cursed Abraham. And notice that all the nations of the earth, including the Gentile nations, will be blessed through Abraham. Great point, Mama. Exodus 12, verses 37 through 38 describe a mixed multitude that left Egypt with Israel. There were people in Egypt from all over the known world. Many were slaves, just like the children of Israel. These people saw God's miraculous work in decimating Egypt's food supply, decimating Egypt's livestock, their water supply, their economy, their religious systems, even their firstborn population, and later, their military. This mixed multitude included non-Hebrew people who wanted to align themselves with the God of Israel. Some may have been Egyptian. Later in the Torah, God gave instructions regarding the treatment of these strangers among Israel. And this wasn't an afterthought for God, because he had already intended for the Gentiles to be blessed through Abraham. God told Moses in Exodus 12, 48 through 49, that they had to abide by the same instructions as Israel to observe the Passover. In Numbers 15, 1 through 16, God tells them that there is one set of instructions for Israel and the stranger. Both Israel and the stranger must obey God's rules. One Torah, or set of instructions, and one standard of justice, or mishpat, for the Israelite and the stranger who is with you. In fact, Throughout Genesis, Leviticus, and Numbers, you can find instances where God says there is just one law for all. Amen. Gentiles were not an afterthought to our God. In Isaiah 49 and 6, 
Isaiah prophesied about Jesus being a light to the Gentiles. In Luke 2:32, Simeon saw Jesus as an infant. He praised God, quoting from Isaiah 49 and 6, when he referred to Jesus as a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of God's people, Israel. Later in the New Testament, Peter was directed by the Ruach HaKodesh to meet with the Gentile believers. In Acts 10, 34-35, the Apostle Peter said, I can really see that God is not a respecter of persons, but he accepts any people who fear him and do what is right. Tim, God is serious about the Gentile nations. Mm-hmm. I'm glad about it. With all that said, I really wonder if the church, and I use uh, the word church as a general name for the body of Gentile believers, but I wonder if the church really appreciates what it means to be grafted in. Miss, earlier, you said that the Gentiles are grafted into an existing people with a history a culture, with covenants, and a commonwealth. Do you see fundamental differences between the church today and the Bible's description of the tree of Israel that we were grafted into? Now I do. It was another red pill moment for me. I cherry-picked some instructions like, don't covet, don't steal, which I was glad to keep. But every week, I brought, the, I broke the instruction to keep the Sabbath holy. I found myself doing laundry, running errands, catching up on work, cleaning house, instead of remembering God and resting. Studying the Torah helped me to understand the New Testament better as well as see that the things he had for Israel were for me too. There were blessings available to me if I kept his instructions, but I hadn't studied the Torah, because I hadn't studied the Torah, I inadvertently broke way many instruct more instructions than I admit, like to admit. Yeah, I, I did too. Now I see the blessing in knowing and following his instructions. I can remember taking Saturdays to catch up on work and other things. Many had nothing to do with God. My intent was to honor him in the way I lived. I now know that my intent does not override his instructions. I'm really so grateful to know what he expects of me and grateful that he gave me a heart to do what he expects in the way he wants it done. With that said, let me ask our believe our listeners, many of whom are believers, but let me ask our listeners the question. What would you do if you discovered that your actions or beliefs were not in line with God's instructions. Would you change, or would you take the blue pill? I know. We ask this question every week. We ask this question because it's inevitable for a believer who wants to grow in their walk with the Father. You'll study, and you'll have times in which you realize that your beliefs need to change based on His Word. You may choose to unlearn what you thought you knew and learn some new truth from God. You might choose to hold on to what you're comfortable with, ignoring the contradiction. Well, you don't have to ignore the contradiction. Our God is big enough to handle your uncertainty. He can deal with your questions. He has answers. 
Regarding the differences between the church today and the Bible's description of the tree of Israel, we hope to talk about that more in future podcasts. It's really time for us to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Uh, Please go back and read over the scriptures we shared. In our next podcast, we'll discuss what may be the greatest Old Testament example of being grafted in. And we'll also introduce God's calendar. Thanks again for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah, where you you can can handle handle the the truth. truth.